Long History A Journal of the First Voyage of Vasco da Gama Part 1 Introduction The Three Great Navigators Hello everyone and welcome to Long History and we're starting a new series here which includes 15 episodes in total covering a document called A Journal of the First Voyage of Vasco da Gama Now the document we're looking at here appears to have been written by someone who took part in the expedition but its authorship isn't actually known but as usual this is another example of eyewitness history and we've covered many of these source documents now here on Long History and what we generally like to do is take these documents and split them up into 10 minute chunks or so so you can pick and choose which episodes to listen to or string them all together and listen to the full document and in this way you can see world famous events through the eyes of the people who were there. In this episode we're going to quote from an edited down version of the 1898 introduction to this text which gives some background to the journey and of Vasco da Gama himself and it also makes an interesting little comparison between Vasco da Gama and other of the great navigators from the age of exploration. So according to this 1898 document for example Vasco da Gama was one of the three most famous explorers from this European age of exploration. Magellan sailed around the world and Columbus made the first voyage of the age to reach the Americas. So whilst Columbus opened up the seas to the west from Europe, Vasco da Gama opened up a route to the east around the tip of Africa. And it's Vasco da Gama's first voyage which is described here. It took place from 1497 to 1499, just five years after Columbus began his first voyage and some 22 years before Magellan would begin his attempt to cross the Pacific on the journey that would lead to his crew being the first men to navigate the globe. So if that's of interest to you, don't forget to subscribe. And here we go with a journal of the first voyage of Vasco da Gama, part 1, Introduction, The Three Great Navigators. Introduction The discovery of an ocean route to India in 1497-98 marks an epoch in the history of geographical exploration no less than in that of commerce. This discovery diverted into a new channel the profitable spice trade with the East, which for ages had passed through Syria and Alexandria. In consequence of this diversion, Venice lost her monopoly and Lisbon became, for a time, the great spice market of Europe. But Portugal was a small country whose resources were hardly even equal to the task of waging the continuous wars with the Moors in which she had so unwisely been engaged for generations past. And when, in addition to her African forces, she was called upon to maintain great fleets in the distant east in order to enforce her monopoly of the spice trade, at first in the face only of the Moors and afterwards in that of powerful European rivals, her resources speedily came to an end and she found herself exhausted and helpless. Portugal, however, notwithstanding the sad end of her vast eastern enterprises, is still justly proud of the achievements of her great Vasco da Gama, and boldly places him, by the side of Magellan and Christopher Columbus, as one of the notable triad which occupies the foremost rank amongst the great navigators of an age of great discoveries. Vasco da Gama was born, about 1460, at Sinej, of which coast town his father, Estevan, was a type of mayor. He was the youngest of three brothers. Genealogists trace back his pedigree to a valiant soldier, Alvaro Anej da Gama, 
who resided in Olivenza in 1220 and greatly distinguished himself in the wars with the Moors. The Gamas could thus boast of gentle blood, though they neither belonged to the aristocracy of Portugal nor were they possessed of much worldly wealth. Explorations to find a route around southern Africa to the east had been underway for many years before Vasco da Gama made his journey. Bartholomew Diaz was his predecessor, who had made it as far as the southern tip of Africa itself in 1488. King Joao decided to fit out an armada to complete the discovery of an ocean highway to India. He selected Vasco da Gama as its captain major, and this choice of the king was confirmed by his successor, Don Manuel. Such an appointment would not have been made had not Vasco da Gama already been known as a man of energy, capacity and competent knowledge. Castañeda speaks of Vasco as having done good service in the time of King Joao II and as being experienced in the affairs of the sea. Marij calls him a young man, Mancebo, high-spirited and indefatigable, who had such a thorough knowledge of navigation, arte maritima, that he would have been able to hold his own with the most experienced pilots of Europe. We know, moreover, from Barros and Goish, that he landed at St Helena Bay with his pilots in order to determine the latitude. These extracts show, at all events, that Vasco da Gama was not a mere landsman, nor is it likely that the command of an expedition, the one object of which was discovery and not trade or war, would have been entrusted to such an one. He was, moreover, well qualified for his post in other respects. His indomitable firmness made him shrink from no obstacle which opposed itself to the success of his expedition. And notwithstanding the unheard-of length of the voyage and the hardships endured, he retained the confidence of his men to the very last. The question whether da Gama can fairly be ranked with Columbus and Magellan has frequently been discussed. The first place amongst these three undoubtedly belongs to Magellan, the renegade Portuguese, who first guided a ship across the wide expanse of the Pacific. The second place is almost universally accorded to Columbus, whose unconscious discovery of the New World was immensely more far-reaching in its consequences than the discovery of an ocean highway to India, now largely discarded in favour of the shorter route across the Isthmus of Suez, it is maintained in support of the claims of Columbus that he was the originator of the scheme the success of which covered him with everlasting glory, whilst Vasco da Gama simply obeyed the behests of his king when he took the lead of an expedition which would just push further open the door that had been opened by previous explorers. There is much truth in this contention. The scheme of reaching the east by a westward course across the Atlantic had no doubt been entertained in Portugal in the reign of Afonso the African, many decades before Columbus had come along. Columbus, on the other hand, made his scheme his own. He didn't wait for a king or queen to come to him. Instead, he did not rest until he found in Queen Isabella the Catholic a patron who enabled him to put his theories to the test of practical experience. It was his good fortune that Providence had placed a new world as a barrier between him and Marco Polo's Sipangu, Japan, which was his goal. In short, Columbus's discoveries were more by luck than management, and he himself was never quite aware of the importance of his discoveries. 
On the accession of Don Juan II in 1481, the discovery of Africa was resumed with renewed vigour, and the councillors of that king acted wisely when they advised him to decline the offers of Columbus, for the resources of Portugal were quite unequal to pursuing at one and the same time a search for a western route, and continuing the efforts for opening a practical route around the southern extremity of Africa. And thus it happened that Columbus discovered a new world for Castile and Leon, and not for Portugal. When, however, we come to consider the physical differences which had to be overcome by these great navigators and the accomplishment of their purpose, the greater credit must undoubtedly be awarded to Vasco da Gama. Columbus simply shaped a course westward of Gomera in the Canary Islands, and, having sailed in that direction for 36 days, for a distance of 2,600 miles, made his landfall and his first discoveries being favoured all the while by prevailing easterly winds. However, the task which Vasco da Gama undertook was far more difficult of accomplishment. Instead of creeping along the coast, as had been done by his predecessors, he conceived the bold idea of shaping a course which would take him direct through the mid-Atlantic, from the Cape Verde Islands to the Cape of Good Hope. The direct distance to be covered was 3,770 miles, but the physical obstacles presented by winds and currents could only be overcome by taking a circuitous course. And thus, it happened that he spent 93 days at sea before he made his first landfall to the north of the Bay of St Helena. This first passage across the southern Atlantic is one of the great achievements recorded in the Annals of Maritime Exploration. Once beyond the Cape, Vasco had to struggle against the Agulhas current, which had baffled his predecessor Bartholomew Diaz, and against the current of Mozambique, and it was only after he had secured a trustworthy pilot at Melinde that the difficulties of the outward voyage can be said to have been overcome. In one other respect, Vasco da Gama, or perhaps we ought to say his pilots, proved themselves their superiors of Columbus namely in the accuracy of the charts of their discoveries which they brought home to Portugal. Posterity is fortunate in possessing a very full abstract of the journal which Columbus kept during his first voyage to the West Indies. No such trustworthy record is available in the case of Vasco da Gama, whose original reports have disappeared. The only available account written by a member of the expedition is the Roteiro, or journal, a translation of which fills the bulk of this volume. The manuscript of the Roteiro originally belonged to the famous convent of Santa Cruz at Coimbra, where it was transferred, together with other precious manuscripts, to the public library of Oporto. No one has yet succeeded in discovering the author of the Roteiro. London, March, 1898. So that was an edited down version of the introduction to the 1898 edition of this text. And to a certain extent, we're very much looking at a history of history here. Da Gama is described as a man of energy, capacity and competent knowledge. We hear that he's a young man, high-spirited and indefatigable. And he had an indomitable firmness which made him shrink from no obstacle. The comparison between Columbus and Vasco da Gama is quite interesting, especially in pointing out that Columbus was more or less just very lucky in his discoveries whereas Vasco da Gama had to undergo many perils on his route. However, we can see just how much this is an 1890s version of history, 
where it was perhaps a question of who was the greatest navigator, with no consideration for the results of those discoveries. Debates still rage, of course, which is perhaps what makes these centuries-old documents relevant even today. So we'll start with the journal itself in the next episode, but thank you for listening to this one. If you've enjoyed it, please do like it and share it. It's worth remembering as well that as this is the first episode of the series, it's particularly important to share and like this one, so your help would be much appreciated there. Thank you for listening, everyone, and goodbye.